When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Bob Rock. I make records. I'm kind of a record producer. And uh, I'm from Canada. And now I live in Maui. And yeah, that's about it. This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. Okay, Sonny, this week it's time for another Thanking the Greats, and this week we are looking at producer Bob Rock. So in the Thanking the Great series, we always go and explore and discuss an individual artist, producer, songwriter, manager, or just about anyone that's involved with the music business that we think has had a long career and contributed to the music that you and I both love. So... If you're new to the podcast, Thanking the Greats is part of our regular series that we bring up and do. I think the last one we did was Holly Knight, songwriter Holly Knight. And this time we are looking at producer Bob Rock because Bob Rock certainly in the 80s produced a lot of rock and roll that we both love. So how are you doing, man? How's it going with you? Uh, All is good. You know, just got a daughter that turned 21, right? She's... About to get married. <laughs> I got kids graduating out of college next year. Two of them. It's going to be a crazy eight to 12 months, but all is good. All is good. It's a good life. Busy, busy, but that's a good problem to have, it sounds like. Yeah. You know, everybody just, you go through parts of your life, especially if you have kids. It's, you know, you got the part where you and your significant other meet and then you get married and that's a section of your life that you have kids and there's a big section of your life that, uh, takes a lot of time and energy and then you get to empty nester and now everything's still happening, but it's not happening where you live. So you have to keep going places, blah, blah, blah. And then you'll, you'll get to a point where your family has extended family and you get to a point where you start losing people in your family and you know, it's just part of the course, I guess. Yeah. That's called life. My friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just living life. <laughs> All right. Before we get too deep in the weeds with the thanking the greats, Bob rock episode you know we got to do this it's time for the crank it up new music spotlight all right so tonight crank it up new music spotlight goes hand in hand with this episode and we are looking at the band classless act 
If the name sounds familiar to you, probably the only reason that you know this band is because they were at the very beginning of the big Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Joan Jett, and Poison festival slash stadium tour that was going around. Classless Act was the first band on the bill. And from a lot of the footage that I saw, probably a handful of people were there to see them which is unfortunate because they seem like a great up-and-coming act. And so Bob Rock actually produced this record, which came out in 2022. They recorded it at Tommy Lee's home studio. And the song that I'm going to share with you off their record is called Give It To Me. Check this out. I don't think I had heard this before. I don't think I've ever listened to Classless Act. Uh, not sure, actually. I love the drum intro in the beginning. His vocal tone is right on the edge for me. But the song had like a fun element, and the song was short, so it kept me interested enough to try more. Sometimes what happens is when one of those, you know, whether it's sleeve singers or raspy singers, whatever, when they have that vocal tone that's right on the edge for me, and then they do like vocal gymnastics somewhere in the song, that's when I'm like, oh man, okay, I guess I can't listen to this stuff anymore. But it was like a really short, compact song he kind of kept within himself, and it was enjoyable. I like the song. Yeah, the record overall, I think, has some really good material on it. There's a lot of like, uh, they've got a couple of guests. Uh, none of them are going to be very <laughs> endearing to my uh, co-host there, Sonny Pooney. There's a song called Classless Act in which Vince Neil of Motley Crue makes an appearance. And there's a song called This Is For You in which Justin Hawkins from The Darkness makes an appearance. Now, I will say that neither one of those guys are overbearing in the song. And I actually like both the songs that I just mentioned. There's some good stuff on this record. It's a good, young, up-and-coming band from Los Angeles, California. And the name of the record is called Welcome to the Show. And so I would urge you to check out Classless Act and the album again, Welcome to the Show. And it was produced by Bob Rock. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. Because I was an, an artist, I was making records on my own and writing and stuff that I've always been kind of like uh, into the production of just making the best I can do, helping somebody make uh, a record that they want to hear. So that's what I think a great producer is. Filling in the blanks that, that maybe need to be filled in with an artist. Bringing out the best of an artist, whether that is, you know, the vocals or instrumentation. That's a great record. Okay, so let's talk about Robert Yen's rock, Bob Rock. 
born on April 1954, Canadian producer. He's been a sound engineer. He's been a musician. You know, people know him for Metallica, Motley Crue, Aerosmith, Bon Jovi, Cher, The Cult, David Lee Roth, Skid Row, Veruca Salt, The Offspring, The Tragically Hip, Michael Buble, Nelly Furtado. So obviously the guy's been around a while. And he spans the breadth of music that's out there, which I don't think is a bad thing. Actually, at the beginning of his life, he was going to be a hockey player. That's his whole life was going to be hockey, hockey, hockey. He sees the Beatles and Rolling Stones on TV, just like homie's going to be 69. He just turned 69. So, of course, Beatles on Ed Sullivan practically overnight. You know, basically, I want guitars. I want to be miming with the Fab Four do. They used to do, you know, twist and shout the school during breaks, that kind of stuff. And he got obsessed with music. Gets himself a real guitar in 73, so he's not 20 yet. Travels to England, a couple of friends, Paul Hyde, William Alexander. They kind of test musical waters in England, doesn't do great. So they come back, and he starts working construction for a while. Fast forward to the 80s, and he gets a chance again with his uh, friend Paul Hyde to start this band called the Paolas. And they had some minor hits, Eyes of a Stranger, which was used as part of the movie girl, uh, the Valley Girl uh, movie soundtrack. Paolas, you know, they released a few albums. They had a few hits in Canada. You know, listening to it, I don't know if you've heard much of it, and I want to kind of get your take if you have. They were very talking heads to me. Like, I couldn't really get into it. It was, it was kind of, I don't know, synthy pop weird, right? Yeah, it was very much the 80s. And obviously, showing up on the Valley Girl soundtrack, you would almost kind of figure that out. But I listened to The Eyes of the Stranger, which was the hit. And yeah, it's it's just very 80s synth pop type stuff. I mean, it's what you would expect in that time frame. Just wasn't, yeah, not necessarily my thing. And I've definitely heard better 80s synth type bands but like sunny said paola won juno award for the single of the year uh, with that eyes of a stranger So he gets into, so the music thing doesn't, you know, go all that great. He leaves the Paolas. Paolas went on to a few other things and they reunited over time, but nothing big. So he decides, you know, he likes music. So he's going to go production engineer route kind of thing. And him and Bruce Fairbain start out a partnership. They go work with a bunch of bands, but in the end, what splits everybody up is money, right? At some point, money becomes a problem, especially if both people in the partnership 
are either equally talented or the student is more talented than the teacher at times. That's just what happens, right? Now, what Rock is really known for is not that he was at the ground floor of the Bon Jovis or he was at the ground floor of Aerosmith or Metallica. What he's really known for is come in and take them like to the next level. Like there's things he did with James Hetfield (laughs) on the Black Album that his voice was not the same as it was on previous albums. It smoothed out a little bit. I think he challenged James to be different. And these guys blossomed into like full-blown storyteller type folks instead of just rock singers, which that's kind of what Bob brings. And then I want to get your take on this too. He brings a sound, right? Just like Mutt Lang brings this perfection. Bob Rock is known for the big sound, right? Yeah, I mean, Bob Rock is an engineer first, you know, coming from that musician background. That's where, you know, he got his start as an engineer and producers in rock and roll are a lot like coaching trees in the NFL. So all these great coaches in the NFL have these assistants and these coaches that work underneath them and then they go on to become these very successful nfl coaches it's sort of the same thing with producers in rock and roll and bob rock is an underling if you will of bruce fairburn and so he cut his teeth at little mountain sound in vancouver underneath bruce fairburn and learned a ton of stuff as an engineer and you know who else was an engineer with bob rock at the time was mike frazier mike frazier has gone on to do a whole bunch of stuff as a producer so it's very much that sort of family tree of producers nfl coaches it's all kind of the same thing so you know in all of that bob really puts together a huge drum sound doesn't he yeah and he basically resurrected Aerosmith. You could give him credit for that. He's got diamond albums with the guys like Metallica. Like you just, that kind of resume in the late eighties, early nineties, he did a good job of parlaying that into a career that's going to last forever. Right. As long as he wants to do it. It really is sort of a small world type thing, right? It, it, his sound on Motley Crue's Dr. Feel Good. And if you listen to that record whether you like it or hate it the sound of that record is fantastic the drums the guitar everything sounds fantastic on dr feelgood his sound for that record is what bought metallica to him for the black album so you know i think one job begets another one if if the band hears it and likes the sound then they come running to you right yeah absolutely so getting to some of the awards he's been inducted into the Canadian music hall of fame. That probably doesn't surprise anybody. He's had 17 Juno award nominations, bunch of categories, producer of the year, record engineer of the year. Um, he's won on numerous occasions for production work. He won producer of the year in 2005 for simple plans. Welcome to my life. He was nominated uh, in 2007 for producer of the year with his work with the tragically hip on an album called world container. And then in 2014, he actually won his first Grammy for Best Traditional Pop Vocal Album with Michael Buble. And then in 2023, he won a Grammy for Best Traditional Pop Vocal Album with Michael Buble. So the guy is still around. The guy is still knocking it out of the part. He's working with some of the biggest names on the planet. And I'm sure, I mean, he's 69. Sooner or later, he's probably going to hang it up. But what we wanted to do 
is share five songs each of some of the music he touched that we like, right? And this is liner note shit, right? Like when you were a kid, you're looking through, and it's like, why do I keep saying the same name over and over? Like who the hell's Desmond Child? Who the hell's Holly Knight? Well, Bob Rock was one of those names too. And so we each have five songs we want to share. And uh, I think you're going to start first, right? Yeah, I'll kick it off. But before I get into the songs that I'm going to share, I'll just share a few albums that Bob Rock either produced or engineered that I absolutely love. So Sonic Temple, The Cult, Blue Murders, Debut, Motley Crue's Dr. Feelgood, The Electric Boys, Funko Metal Carpet Ride. That was their debut. I absolutely love that record. Numerous Metallica records, whether you love them or hate them, like load, reload those records that people hate. I love the sound of those records. They've got some good songs on those records. Veruca Salt, Eight Arms to Hold You. That was one of my favorite records in the 90s. I liked that record a lot. I had no idea at the time that he produced that record, but he did. Uh, so there are just some great records along the way that he has produced that, you know, maybe necessarily weren't huge records, but uh, still just fantastic records as far as I'm concerned. All right. So I'm going to share my five songs here. I'm going to start out with a record that doesn't get talked that much about when people talk about David Lee Ross solo career. They either talk about Eat em and Smile, obviously, and they talk about Skyscraper, the first two records. But for me, A Little Ain't Enough. I think is an absolute fantastic record. I like that record from start to finish. I liked it when it first came out. And so the first song I'm going to share is a deep track off that record called Lady Luck. So from there, we're going to move on to The Cult, but we're not moving on to Sonic Temple. He also did The Cult Beyond Good and Evil. And the song that I'm going to share, I know I've played on this podcast before and I keep coming back to it because overall, Beyond Good and Evil is a great rock record. It's pretty heavy for The Cult and you'll find that out when I play this song. But this song is killer and the sound from the guitars on this song are so huge but here's a song from beyond good and evil called rise
All right. So from there, after you've had your hair blown back on that tune, I'm going to go to Crocus. And Bob Rock was the engineer on the Blitz. And Crocus, for whatever reason, I think it's because some of the people in the band are different. They don't show much love to this record. They don't play it live. They don't play any of the stuff live. And when it first came out, it was a little bit of a letdown for me personally. But going back to that record, it was of the time. And there's a lot of good stuff on that record. And I dig the tune Our Love. I think this was one of the first guitar riffs I ever learned when I was trying to learn how to play guitar because it was simple enough for me to pick up. So check out Our Love from the Blitz. Okay, so from there, we're going to go to a band that I know my my co-host, Sonny, loves, Honeymoon Suite. I like Honeymoon Suite, and I would really love them if the majority of the material on the record were like this next song that I'm going to play. From the big prize, Bob was the engineer on this record. Check out Honeymoon Suite's Bad Attitude.
For me, Honeymoon Suite tends to get a little bit too watered down, but when they bring that guitar out front, I really dig Honeymoon Suite a lot. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So that's a great song from the big prize from that. I'm moving on to a much maligned record for skid row fans. I know a lot of people hate this record to me. There's a lot of good stuff on there and it's just, it's different. That's all I can say, but still the sounds he gets from it. He was already probably trying to work with a band that was fractured from the inside. So it was probably like pulling teeth to get the band together enough to put together a cohesive record. But again, I still like a lot of the material that's on subhuman race. So check out my enemy from subhuman race skid row. Okay, so those are my five tunes. Any comments on that? Are you just going to let that fly and move on? Oh, no, no. I got comments, Joe. <laughs> of course you do. So for the listeners, you probably know by now, if you've been listening a while, we usually have you know a sheet, and what will happen is we've got a doc that will say, all right, this is the topic that we're doing. 
We're each picking five songs. Steven, you're taking care of the crank it up. I'm taking care of the historic moment and we'll let the shuffle be the shuffle. And, uh, you know, when you get your five songs in there, go ahead and throw it in the sheet so we can listen to them. Normally I jump out first and get my five songs in there and go, all right, he's going to have to pick around my five this time for whatever reason, Steven had a wild hair up his ass <laughs> and put his five songs in first. And took two of mine. <laughs> of all of the songs I could have picked from Bob Ross, he took two of my songs. I'm like, I can't believe this. How is that even possible? Because if you go to the wiki page for Bob Rock, the thing just keeps rolling. How the hell did we pick two of the same songs out of five? It's amazing. <laughs> so I'll tell you what the two songs are as we're going. One of them was Lady Luck by David Lee Roth. Why? I've always loved the song. Saw my Vegas playlist. Love the groove. Dave still sounds good on this album. You know, the album's somewhat of a hidden gem, like you said. You know, Jason Becker adds a lot of cool earworms. I guess if you're going to move away from Vi, Jason Becker ain't all that bad at the time, right? So not too shabby, right? But uh, always like that song. Rise by the Cult, right out of the gate. That guitar is definitely a little more gritty than the usual cult songs up to that time. Because the cult, to me, I like it. Don't, don't get me wrong. But they are hippie rock, right? They're like the hippie rock of the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. It's like they picked the acid hippie rock out of the 60s and 70s and put like a 80s, 90s flair to it because they're like the 80s doors, yeah. right? That's that's just who they are. I love it. Don't get me wrong. But this song is a little grittier than what they normally do, right? It's a little heavier. Big time. I really like the chorus in this song. Just over like, over, overall like the song, period. The second song that I would have had on my list is Our Love by Crocus, my favorite Crocus song. Written so well. Dude, so hummable. I love that melody. Mark just absolutely kills the vocal. And it just kind of shows you just simple riff with a great melody and a great vocal. And everything doesn't have to be Eddie Van Halen, right? It works. And I don't love all Crocus stuff. And we've, you know, we've listened to some stuff and talked about some stuff I didn't like from Crocus. (laughs) I believe, wasn't that the first album we did this year? That was the first album. Yeah. Overall, you liked that record, but you, you, yeah. you don't, you don't like stay awake all night. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh yeah. Cause you said the same thing 85 times, right? Um, but no, our love is, it's just so melodic and man, was it, I'm just so surprised this wasn't like a top 10 hit. Like I think their name and being Swiss did not do them any favors. Bon Jovi does this song, probably couldn't do it as well as Mark. It'd have been a top 10 hit because that melody is just killer. Bad Attitude by Honeymoon Suite. We've talked about Honeymoon Suite before. I was kind of a fan. I It absolutely locked in after I saw them live on Monsters of Rock. This is one of the more rocking tunes for sure for Honeymoon Suite. I like the chugging of the music during the verses. That kind of gives it a little more of a Scorpions type feel. Song is written really well. And I'm thinking, man, now I've talked about four songs and Steven's four out of four. That's, <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened. That I love four out of four songs. And then comes the fucking Miami (laughs) and I get it in the rock world that we live in especially rock podcasters it's super cool to say subhuman race is awesome and it's just not it sucks I'm sorry I'm not cool whatever (laughs) I get it the song is heavy as fuck he's angry you can bang your head to it I don't care the song is barely meh and I like Skid Row (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, don't get me wrong. I don't know that I would make the comment subhuman race is awesome. Uh, (laughs) That might be stretching it. My only point is that subhuman race to me still has some good material on it. And I don't think it's as I don't think it's as bad as a lot of fans 
make it out to be. Now, out of the three records that Bach is on, Subhuman, Slave, and the first one, it is the worst of those three. There's no doubt about that. So I wouldn't put it ahead of Slave or the first one at all. Don't get crazy with the comments, but there are a handful of songs on this record that I think are good. My Enemy is one of them. Uh, Medicine Jar I like a lot as well. Frozen is pretty good. There's, there's some good stuff on this record. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Look at all the people here tonight! Oh man, I got to make an announcement right here. Can you hear me out there? It's time to take a quick break in the action from this week's episode. Sonny and I just wanted to thank all of you, the listeners, for joining us each and every week. Whether you just found us today or have been listening for multiple episodes, we love your passion for music and rock and roll in general. We consider you all part of our loud minority family. Always remember you can communicate with us a few different ways. If you don't mind Facebook, head over to the Growing Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and be part of the conversation. It's a private group and all you have to do is ask to join, answer a few rock and roll questions, and you're in. If you despise Facebook, which many people do, then send us an email to growinguprock at gmail.com. We get everything there. You can follow us on Twitter and Insta at Growing Up Rock, which is one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. In the event you feel entertained by our podcast, we would appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and go leave us a five-star review either at Apple Podcast or Podchaser. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. So I'll give you kudos for being five out of six, if I include the Crank It Up Spotlight. Good for you. Fair enough. Damn, that's a win-win for me in the poony world. Jesus. That that is the win-win. That is. (laughs) I'm not sure I'm going to get five out of six from you. So we'll we'll just, (laughs) I'll share my five songs next. So the first one I picked, Bon Jovi. It's hard to talk about Bob Rock and not talk about at least either Bon Jovi, Aerosmith, or Metallica just because... It, or Motley Crue, because it was in the bang zone of basically the music we love. Bon Jovi, I picked I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, which is off of Keep the Face. So I'm going to share an article with you. It's on musicradar.com, and it's spelled out, musicradar, just like it sounds, .com. And the article is called Production Legend Bob Rock on 16 Career Defining Records. That's what the article is called. And here's what Bob Rock said about Keep the Faith. The music scene had changed. In a way, Bon Jovi really didn't matter. They were still huge, but their music wasn't a slam dunk anymore. Basically, the band came to me because of the Black Album. They wanted to change it up. It was a different process from when I had worked with them in the past in the mid-80s. The songs were different, and it wasn't the easiest record to make. I think there were some good points on it, and there were some okay points on it. We had discussions about what was going on in the music world. The band knew they had to make a different kind of record. They had to dig deep. They had to have a new way of songwriting, and they wanted a new sound for the record. 
to production changed because it had to change. The band was different too. It wasn't a gang anymore. It was John's band. It was him running the show and being in charge. I was making basically a John Bon Jovi record with a band playing behind him, but I'm very proud of what I did with that album. I will tell you there's a bunch of hit singles off this record, including Keep the Faith, Better Roses, In These Arms, I Believe, which I like all those songs. Like I said, I'm going to go with one of my favorites. So here is, if you haven't heard it, here's a snippet of I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. Okay, for my second song, I'm going to go with a band called Tonic from uh, an album called Head On Straight. If you don't know anything about Tonic, they formed in Los Angeles in 93. Most would classify them as alternative pop or alternative rock. Their biggest hit was If You Could Only See, if you've ever been to karaoke, people used to do that all the time in the 90s. And that was off their debut album in 93. By the time Tonic got to releasing their third album, called Head On Straight in 2002, Universal got him Bob Rock to produce a record. The album got them nominated for two Grammys, but they didn't end up winning a Grammy. Charts-wise, the album barely broke the 150 barrier on the Billboard 200. They had no Billboard Hot 100 hits, but there were still some pretty good songs on the record. The song that I'm going to play a snippet for you here is a little more rock than Tonic usually is. Uh, it's kind of got that heavy alt-rock feel, but great chorus. So check out this song called Liar. For my third song, I'm going to go with The Offspring. So 
most people only know one song from the offspring, pretty fly for a white guy. That's all anybody knows. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to talk about an album that came years after that song. The album's called rise and fall comma rage and grace. It was released in 2008 after the offspring had worked with several producers in the past. They even took a shot producing themselves. They're like, you know what? We're just going to go with Bob Rock and see if we can kind of uh, either turn the tide or kind of take the next level up. The album debuted at number 10 on the Billboard 200. This song that I'm going to play for you, it was a second single. It topped out number 63 on the Billboard 100. Also got him a number one song on the Billboard Alternative Rock Chart. I love that the song starts right away. It has that classic Offspring feel, if you've heard any classic Offspring at all. And it's a good pace. To me, like the Offspring's like a better version of Green Day. That's what it is to me. So dance, fucker, dance, because that's part of what the song is. And check out a great song called You're Gonna Go Far, Kid. Show me how to lie. You're getting better all the time. And turning all against one isn't art that's hard to teach. Another clever word sets off an unsuspecting hurt. And as you step back in the line, a mob jumps to their feet. Now dance, fucker, dance, man. All right, for my fourth song, I'm going to go with a song off of Brian Adams' 1998 release called On a Day Like Today. So again, from that same article I was talking about on musicradar.com, what Bob had to say about the album. And keep in mind, this album came out in 1998. That's important, right? That's way after Crew, Aerosmith, Metallica, Bon Jovi. I had met Brian when he was 16 in a band called Sweeney Todd, so I knew him for a long time. Growing up in Vancouver, I was involved in all, all sorts of things with him. But when it was time to do this album, I really do believe that he still saw me as an assistant engineer in 1998. It was very tough for me. He really didn't let me do what I do. He fought me on everything. I think it was also because of his time with Mutt Lang, Brian knew he had to change things up. He was writing with different people. He wasn't working with Jim Valance anymore and wasn't writing with Mutt either. That was the difference. I don't think Brian was really confident in the record. I think he was trying to find out what the hell he was supposed to do and how he was going to move forward. In a funny way, him and Valance had a bit of that Perry Tyler, Jagger Richards type relationship. They wrote songs together, but at some point hated each other and then ended up writing together again like they do today. Things have to change. People have to change. And for them, it worked again. Having said all that, I like the record. It was transitional. It was good. It only had one hit, but it's very listenable. So as Bob referenced, none of the songs on the album have a Jim Valens co-write, which when you listen to most of this album, it's very evident. There's just something missing. The singles off this album was On a Day Like Today, When You're Gone, Cloud Number 9, and Inside Out. But I'm going to go, I'll say a deep track, but probably everything off this record is a deep crack, but it's one of my favorites, and it's a little more mid-tempo. Here's a song called Fearless.
And since Steven ended his five with Skid Row and that shitty My Enemy, I guess I'll pay the price back with a Black Veil Bride song, since I know he loves Black Veil Bride so much. So <laughs> for my final song, you know, they're synonymous with Hollywood, but they actually formed in 2006 in Cincinnati, Ohio. So if you don't know anything about the Black Veil Brides, because most of our 50-plus-year-old rockers would label them as goth metal, they dwell in a lot of separ- a lot of genres. After having three different sets of producers on their first three albums, on the fourth album, they got Bob Rock, and that was for Black Veil Brides 4. Being a Black Veil Brides fan myself, the fourth album is obviously bigger sounding, because that's what Bob Rock does. It's also more melodic, because that's what Bob Rock does. It casts a wider net to catch new fans. And, you know, if you really listen to this album and you just forgot that it was Blackville Brides, you'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool, right? Album released in 2014, topped out at number 10 on the Billboard 200. There was two singles, Heart of Fire and Goodbye Agony. Neither one hit the Billboard Hot 100. That's not what the Blackville Brides do. I love this song, and it's a non-single, has a great riff, is catchy as hell. If you're a melodic rock fan and you don't mind a hint of pop and you don't like this song, that most likely you're just trying too hard not to like the Blackville Brides. So give this a chance. Check out Drag Me to the Grave. This is Trey Parker, and this is Matt Stone, and you're listening to the Pantheon Network. All right. I know some of these songs were new to you. <laughs> Give it to me, baby, because I don't know what you feel about the t- about Tonic and Black Veil Brides. Got a feeling I'm going to get killed with those two. All right. So let's start with Bon Jovi. When Keep the Faith first came out, my recollection when that record came out was that I didn't like the record. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, what the hell after New Jersey? However, I very quickly changed my thought process on that. I knew because of the break and because of all the stuff that I'd read that this was basically, as Sonny described, a brand new band. I mean, they cut all their hair off. They, you know, took numerous years off in between. They fired their management. They fired their booking agent. They got rid. You know, they cleaned house, essentially, and it became John's band. I will also say that at that point, that is when Bon Jovi basically changed what they were and ensured that they would go on for many, many years 
in advance and still be able to play arenas because had they not made that change, they probably would have died off like many other 80s bands, many other 80s hair bands at the time. So they sort of made that transition to almost adult contemporary, to be honest, uh, especially with songs like Better Roses, etc. I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. I love, I love that tune. And there's another song on the record that to me is like the cousin of it. Blame it on the love of rock and roll is very similar to I'll sleep when I'm dead. It's just upbeat and it has that great feel. It makes me happy. Like I'm, I'll sleep when I'm dead makes me happy. Blame it on the love of rock and roll makes me happy. And there's some great songs on this record. Keep the faith. Uh, I actually like dry county. I know uh, that's like a slower tune, but I love that song. Little bit of soul is really good. There's some great songs on keep the faith. And, you know, it took me some years to actually grow to love that record. But as an adult, I dig that record tonic liar from head on straight so tonic the band is not new to me i have lemon parade which obviously that was the big the big record for them the big hit and i actually have a friend that tours as their drummer or did for many years i don't think he's still doing that but my friend pete maloney uh toured with tonic for many years as their drummer uh so i'm familiar with tonic liar was definitely a new tune to me head on head on straight i didn't know much about this record at all that's a good tune you know i like a lot of the stuff that tonic does i prefer the the more rocking stuff but they've had some great hits in their catalog they're not a one-hit wonder i wouldn't deem them as a one-hit wonder the offspring i like i've always liked the offspring i'm not familiar with this record so i had to go check out you're gonna go far kid there's a lot of offspring stuff that i like beyond pretty fly for a white guy that's not even close to my favorite uh record i like xna on the ombre record quite a bit but uh, uh you're gonna go far kid is a good song it's got a great sound to it i'd like to check out more of this raging grace record because again i'm just not that familiar with it brian adams fearless I'm a casual brian adams fan i like a lot of the hits i like a lot of the deeper cuts that are I guess, more rock and roll for Brian Adams, you know, definitely a song that I wasn't familiar with. I like that it is sort of a little bit more up-tempo for him. It's not a ballad. I dig it. It's a, it's a pretty good song. And I like Brian Adams overall. Uh, I don't have anything against Brian Adams. So, and then much like I gave you Skid Row, you give me Black Veil Brides. I appreciate that, Poonie. Uh, payback's a bitch, as they say, and you were paying me back. So, <laughs> drag me to the grave. I don't know. I I don't know, man. <laughs> just There's something about this band that is really hard, and maybe I'm just trying to hate on them too much, but it's okay. I mean, I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever heard, but... It's, it's just sort of okay with me. But overall, you went deep. I like that. I like the list. Uh, so that's good. It would have been easy for us to take the easy approach and go Motley Crue and Metallica and stuff like that. But I feel like we both dug a little bit for some of the stuff that we came up with, which I think is a great thing. Yeah, and that whole Brian Adams, Jim Valance, they're back together. But, you know, when John and Richie, kind of split up and John was doing his own thing for a little bit. It just didn't sound the same. And then the stuff Richie was doing, I'm like, that's not, I mean, 
it's not terrible, but I'm like, that's not Bon Jovi. That doesn't sound right. No, and I, I did not love that Bon Jovi, that John Bon Jovi solo record. Yeah, yeah. I like uh, Richie record a little bit better, but it just kind of goes to show that you kind of put these two together and somehow the recipe is just right. That's just how it works, right? So just never know. Yeah, it's called chemistry. I mean, there's some yeah. <laughs> there's something about writing partners. That there's a reason why they write well together, regardless of whether they, you know, whether it's water and, and uh, dirt and it makes mud. You know, uh, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry hate each other, but <laughs> they write good together. So it just depends. But good selection of songs, a good highlight, kind of high view of Bob Rock's career. Obviously, we can't get so deep into it be forever to go through his entire career but uh the purpose of these thanking the great series is just to uh sort of shine a spotlight on uh the person and the person's career and uh how some of the music has touched us and and uh that's the purpose and i think we've done that so let's connect it to kiss you wanted the best and you got the best the hottest band in the world It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So for the historic moment, let, let me tell you how much Bob Rock is not connected to Kiss. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is how much of a history they don't have. When I couldn't find anything, I'm like, there has to be something. So when I can't find anything, I go to three places. And if it's not there, then it doesn't exist. Gene's book, Kiss and Makeup, because you can go to... The end, and he's got, you know, everybody's talked about listed there. Bob Rock's not listed. Then I go to the Kiss FAQ book, go to the end. Bob Rock's not listed. I go to Kiss Behind the Mask, go to the end. Bob Rock's not listed. Bob Rock ain't got shit to do with Kiss. <laughs> That's basically, if it ain't in those three books, basically they don't attach. So I figured let's kind of uh, discuss the Aerosmith connection instead. So there is an Aerosmith-Kiss connection, which has something to do with Bob Rock. So we all know they toured together later in life, but in 87, when Bob was working with Aerosmith on permanent vacation and trying to resurrect, resurrect their career, they ended up releasing three hit singles that charted on the Billboard Hot 100. Angel topped out at number three, great song. Ragdoll topped out at number 17, great song. And on December 19th, 1987, Dude Looks Like a Lady topped out at number 14. On that same day, December 19th, Kiss had a song that had just entered the Hot 100. Fast forward about a month later to January 16th, 88. Dude looks like Lady has now dropped from 14 to 31, and that same Kiss song hits its peak at number 64 and never got any higher, and that Kiss song was Reason to Live Off Crazy Nights. Here's a snippet. Nobody around All I hear is the sound Of a broken 
For instance, it's, it's like a lot of people talk about auto-tune. But before auto-tune and before really Pro Tools, we were tuning vocals with a, uh, basically a, a digital delay that we would sample one word and then we could change the pitch. So we've been doing it since, God, uh, mid-80s. So everybody was auto-tuning, always have been since. So I don't understand what the big deal is, but this is the thing that has changed. Now, what used to take about a day, maybe two days to tune a vocal, we can tune it in like an hour, even a half hour. So, so, so that kind of stuff. Crazy nights giving Kiss a reason to live. <laughs> <laughs> They're at Nevison as Meryl Smith with Bob Rock. <laughs> yeah. Too bad. That's two totally different types of producers. <laughs> That's right. Um, I've always, I always, lo- I love Crazy Nights. I don't mind the keyboard heavy thing. And there's, I think, condemnations out there as a, uh, you know, as something you can buy on the internet as a bootleg that, you know, takes some of the keyboard out and heavies up the guitars a little bit. I don't care. I like the original Crazy Nights. I don't mind it at all. It was in 1987. They were trying to play the game. I hated Crazy Nights at first, and I think in part because the first song on the record is Crazy Nights, which I still, I do not like that song. But that being said, so much like uh, The Elder, when I started doing this podcast and I started hanging around you and all your kiss cronies, uh, you guys turned me on to a lot of the stuff that I gave more chances to, and there is a lot of good stuff on crazy nights, uh, that I probably, I never even knew existed beforehand. Uh, so I'll give it that it's got some good stuff on that record, but yeah, that song crazy nights. I do not like that tune. <laughs> and I'm with you because when people give shit to, you know, bang, bang, use on that record, I'm like, dude, it's better than crazy, crazy nights. Yeah. <laughs> At least it's fun. It is. Yeah, there's, you know, Thief in the Night is... Turn on the Night is on that album? Uh, Hell or High Water, isn't that on there, too? Uh, I can't remember now. I think I think so, but anyway, yeah. All right, so wrapping up Bob Rock, here's, here's what I'll say. The guy's had an amazing career. He's touched a lot of the music we listen to, and his career's not over. Not bad for a kid in Canada who grew up thinking hockey was everything, and he thought he would most likely end up playing hockey for his life, but instead, he's involved in songs that are played at every hockey rink on the planet every night. Think about it. Enter Sandman is played at every hockey rink, at every sporting event all over the world. That's not bad. Kickstart my heart, too. That's right. That's all over the place as well. Yeah. I mean, look, guys had amazing success for sure. And, uh, definitely, uh, warranted a thanking the great series of his own. So hats off to you, Bob Rock, not to be confused with Bobby Rock, the drummer. Yeah. Bobby Rock didn't have nothing to do with Motley Crue. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So is that, that's about it really for our thanking the greats, uh, series. This time around, is there anything else you want to add before we shuffle, rattle, and roll ourselves on out of here? No, thanks for listening. Keep sending the feedback. If there's ideas you have for episodes, send them. We got a sheet we go off of, and we got all kinds of ideas. But if you got ideas, send them. We might do it. That's it. Until next week, see ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 